The Black Male Archives, where we capture, curate, and promote positive stories about black men. All right. Welcome back to the Black Male Archives podcast. I'm your host, Rodney Freeman, and we have with us Pastor Marvin Mims. Sir, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, Mr. Freeman. How are you doing? Man, I am good. I, I'm glad we have you on this podcast because I have a couple questions for you. And I, I I definitely I was looking reading what you do. You're you're a pastor, you have some mentoring groups that you're doing, you wrote a book. So I am honored to to talk to you and kind of just be able to pick your brain and see where you're from. So if you can tell the listeners where you're from and uh your background. Well, thank you again, Ms. Freeman, for allowing me to be on your show. I am uh, from Greenville, Mississippi. I was born there, uh, came to Memphis, Tennessee after graduating from high school at the age of 18. And so I've been living here uh, most of my adult life. I uh, grew up, of course, in the Delta. Uh, Middle class family, my parents were pretty much, you know, uh, hardworking people, worked in steel factories, but they grew up on the farm. And so they they grew up in the Delta in times of... uh, hard economic times uh, in the 40s and 50s. But, uh, you know, that's kind of my background. But here being in Memphis, as you alluded to, man, I, I've worn a lot of different hats. Uh, as a baseball coach, started a mentoring program called Bow Brothers in 2001. It's still in existence. It's a, it was a spinoff from the baseball organization that I started. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, of course, uh, becoming a pastor in 2011. I'm sorry, 2021. Uh, you know, so just been doing a number of things here recently, but at, at the heart of my ministry is, is, uh, serving. Yeah. 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 Giving back. Yeah. Yeah. I can see, I can read it. I, I mean, I read your, your, your bio and everything and, and I see what, what, what drove that? What, what, where does that come from? Where does that stem from? Uh, well, part of my background of who I am, the service part, mm-hmm. I, you know, I grew up again, in a small town, Greenville, Mississippi, and I always found myself, you know, my passion was sports. You know, I loving. I was I was the king of sandlock. That's what I called myself. I didn't play much organized school ball. It wasn't good enough uh, mm-hmm. to make the team. I always got cut. But even in in Greenville, in our small community, I was always organizing. Uh, I guess community games within our community and uh, spearheading. You know, baseball, football, basketball games, and so that just that just kind of continued on in my adult life. Uh, organizing uh, baseball teams and, and then uh, mentoring program. So, and, 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 you know, the church ministry that was already organized when I got involved with that. But again, I've organized some ministries with that started an organization called man hope without church. And, and basically that's mentoring young men as well. Man hope, man hope stands for our power enrichment. Yeah. So that's the program that we started at church a few years ago. And then going back even to the mentoring program, I started Bow Brothers. Uh, mm-hmm. Bow stands for Brothers Offering Leadership Development. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was started about the time of 911, uh, 9-11. And so just bringing men together to, to impact other young men, to teach them uh, about leadership, to empower the young men, to be leaders, family men, be responsible for their communities, uh, to give back, to serve. And so that's, that's, uh, that's the heart of who I am. Service. Yeah. 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 And, and through that service, how have you, you know, the, the mentorships talk, talk to us a little bit about those, like 
when you're when you started those mentorships, what was the goal and the purpose? And I, I know we talked about you giving back, but what was the goal and the purpose for those young men coming through the program and what yeah. you want them to attain? So that's a great question, Ms. Freeman. One, uh, myself, along with my assistant coaches that were working with me at the time, we were doing mentoring and didn't realize it. I mean, we were taking our young men on trips out of town. Uh, we were having leadership meetings with them, uh, taking them to various activities in the city, spending time with them, you know, dining with them, uh, teaching them to respect uh, one another, uh, respect authority, respect women. And so, uh, I mean, just the, just the things that I experienced as a, as a young man, I grew up two-parent family. Uh, it, my mother and father didn't have the best. I, I came out of a family that was domestic violence. My father was physically abusive to my mother. And so I vowed that I would never hit my wife. And so uh, coming from that environment, uh, family environment, I had uncles who always poured into me, always encouraged me, always gave. My dad was... And going back to my dad, he was a hardworking man. Uh, I think he grew up, you know, in the 70s, 60s, that was a time that there was a lot of physical abuse that was going on in relationships. And that's one of the things that uh, the editor of my book was glad I talked about in my book because she said even her family went through that. And we don't talk about that. And, and so she was glad I mentioned that. So even though I grew up in a two-parent family and my dad taught me how to work, there were some things I had to learn as a man, you know, how to treat my wife and, and how to be respectful and how to love and how to say I love you uh, to other men and to, to your spouse. And so those are the kind of things we wanted to teach young men. You know, it's OK to, to show emotion. It's OK to hug one another. It's OK to embrace one another. And so all those things that we empower with our young men. And, and Mr. Freeman, one of the things I shared with you, we started Bow Brothers in 2001. My wife and I started a church ministry in 2007, and it didn't go as planned. I mean, to be honest with you, that was one time that I faced depression mm. because I was expecting the ministry to grow. Mm -hmm. uh, I was expecting it to flourish, and, and, and none of that took place. It became a youth ministry, and it, it basically it, it died off. And yeah. so I, I was at the crossroads, you know, yeah. do I continue doing what I'm doing or do I stop what I'm doing and go back home to my local church? Yeah, And so uh, God led me and my wife back to our local church, and, and we committed even more to helping my father-in-law, who I write about in my book. He was growing mm -hmm. up in age, and so we began to help him out more. Uh, we began to do ministry in, in parts of the most impoverished parts of Memphis, uh, which is an area, really the poorest areas in the state of Tennessee. It's called the 38126 zip code. Mm -hmm. And so coming out of that depression, God showed me that I still had a purpose. It wasn't about trying to make a church ministry work. It was about uh, doing ministry. Yeah. And, and so I didn't lose my calling. Some friends thought I was going to stop preaching. I said, no, I'm not, I'm not stopping preaching. I'm just stopped doing what I'm doing. You know, many times we, we try to, uh, you heard the phrase, what stupidity is, is doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Different results. You're right. Right. So I stopped the church thing and, and began to do church outside the walls. Yeah. And that's what God really even blew up my ministry more. And and subsequently became the pastor of our local church. My father-in-law got up in age and he handed the church over to me, passed the church over to me. And, and so then I was able to incorporate the service, my service mentality into our local church. We had, we had gotten away from uh, doing ministry in the a, in a community and focusing on internal programs, you know, the things that don't really impact uh, ministry, you know. Mm -hmm. And so we began to engage in the community. 
yeah. uh, serving the serving the community meals, uh, providing food and, and 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 clothing for those that needed it, uh, offering the vaccination, the COVID vaccination to our community because we were one of the last ones to receive it, our church area in the city of Memphis, because, you know, it was like one of those things that, you know, those that need it the most, those who can't afford it, that's who yeah. got it last, you know? Right. And so those are the kind of things that, that we were able to do and impact change at our local church, because our church, you know, so I talked about my ministry dying at one time before I came yeah. home to our local church. Our local church was dying as well yeah. because we were losing our young people. Yeah. Uh, and we were not, so young people wanted to, they wanted to be connected with the church. They wanted to see us serving right. rather than just coming in, you know, preaching and teaching and, and then fighting over power. Right, you know? right. So speaking to that, can you talk to us a little bit, and before we get into your book, and, you know, um, can you talk to us a little bit about how the the leadership that you have and the, the mentor programs that you that you have and, and the, the people that you've seen come through in the city of Memphis, how would you, what would you say to the officers that um, doing the, the Trey Nichols situation? If you had a chance to speak to those officers, what would you say to them? Well, that's another good question. A great question. And I'm going to deal with that in two parts. Uh, the first part is, you know, it was 20 years ago that I mentioned to you that uh, we started Bow Brothers and it was about 2014 and my wife and I had a local church ministry that actually functioned out of our house. And so we kept it going for a few years, but man, you know, it was 2014. So we ended it about 2016. Mm -hmm. Several years later, young men would stop by our house mm -hmm. and they would, they were thankful that we, uh, minister to them, that we gave them a place that we open up our house as a place of spiritual uh, teaching for them. Yeah. And so that was powerful that they would, they had some, some of them had been incarcerated, but they mm -hmm. still came back and said, Mr. Mims, man, we, we remember Bible study at your house. Remember having church at your house. And so how it impacted their lives. I mean, it, that's something that you can't, you can't put a, a tangible dollar amount on. Yeah. And so there, there are many other individuals that, that we impacted uh, coaching baseball, you know, 20 years ago, kids would come back and, and they'd see me in the, in the city and say, coach Mims. And, and they met these kids I didn't even recognize. Yeah. So that, that's one part of that. The second part, which you, you talked about, what would I say to the officers uh, regarding Tariq Nicholas? Um, I'm involved with a, a minister, ministerial association called the Memphis mm -hmm. Baptist Minister Association. Mm -hmm. A few years ago, the police chief, uh, not the current police chief, but the former police chief, came through our meeting. Mm -hmm. and, and they came really reaching, seeking for help from the church to, to yeah. get involved, to, to stem juvenile crime and violence and all that. And so my question to the police chief then, which was about four years ago, was, well, what, what about community policing in our community and, and having, you know, feet on the ground? Uh, unfortunately, he kind of blew me off and he, he said, you know, you know, we don't have enough cops to put on the ground to cover all the square miles of Memphis. And looking back on that now, Mr. Freeman, what I was mm -hmm. really asking for was boots on the ground, patrolmen mm -hmm. on the ground in mm -hmm. the area where it's most needed. You know, you got mm -hmm. like the hood, not, not right. all over Memphis. And right. so I still firmly believe today that police or community policing is will make an impact because now you're establishing a relationship yeah. with the community. 
Right. Rather than just driving around responding to crime. Right. And so uh, those police officers, unfortunately, uh, we know didn't have a relationship with the community. It doesn't take a rocket science mm. to figure that out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so how, how do you how do you fix that? Uh, I, I still believe community policing is, is one of the solutions. It's the best way to go. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree um, because it's all about relationships. Right. And if right. you can be able to 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 harness that relationships in those times. Maybe things like that wouldn't happen. So, uh, well, I thank thank you for that. Um, let's let's talk about your book real quick. Um, just uh, tell us uh, about your book. Well, you know, it, and I, you you've kind of been dropping some some gems uh, throughout the interview, but tell us just a little bit about the book, and um, and then yeah, we'll let the listeners know where they can pick it up. Okay, so again, the book is called "The Crossroads of Champions." Uh, I, I started out writing about my father-in-law in 2014 about his life, and at the uh, well, I, I didn't continue with that project. And so then the pandemic hit in 2019, 2020. So I began to, to pick up the writing again about my father-in-law who had been a pastor for 50 years. And about the same time, I realized I had a story to tell. So what I did was I, I did one book. And so it, it's autobiography about myself, biography about him, but it, the crossroads of champions about how lives intersect. Uh, and, and I, of course I began talking about manhood growing up, as a young person and things that impacted me. But then coming to Memphis at an early age and, and then meeting my wife, who I'm married to now, uh, we got engaged, got married at a young age. I was 19, she was 18. And so I, I established an immediate connection with my father-in-law. And so from that, uh, we served four years in the Air Force at Scott Air Force Base in Illinois. And we came back to Memphis to live. And so serving here in Memphis and working here in Memphis, of course, Quite naturally, we connected with my father-in-law's church, and so I became a deacon under his leadership. And so that's the uh, you know the manhood, the marriage with my wife. Uh, you know, I talk about the military, having served 30, 32 years in the military, and then ministry. You know, going back to Reverend Backus, having served under him as a deacon, but also being called into the ministry under his leadership. So all that intertwines, but there's separate chapters that focus on my life. And then a separate chapter, separate chapters that focus on his life, but all throughout the book, you know, I'm talking about our relationship. Yeah, 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 and, and and that's good. Why do you? What do you want the readers to take away from your book? Now that is a powerful question. So, so in my book, even though I deal with manhood, marriage, military, and ministry, there's some key points I bring out about one about uh, mental health because in the military I, I dealt with a lot of racism. And so I had, to, I had to know how to deal with that and, and not be an angry, what we call an angry black man. And so mental health is important. And, and even that, that connects with religion, because a lot of times, I think I talked about it earlier, we don't talk about that in the church. And so uh, the wellness of mental health and religion. And so the, the takeaways is, you know, for, for young African-American men, how do you deal with uh, the challenge of racism? We see it every day. Laws being changed. So how, how do you deal with racism? How do you deal with discrimination? How do you deal with depression? And at the end of the day, if you fight strategically, if you fight godly, you'll see yourself as a champion. And, and that's what I want to take away from the book for me is, is uh, the ability to become a champion. Yeah. Yeah. That's very powerful, man. Well, 
I, I definitely appreciate this. Can you tell the listeners about any projects that you have working on uh, that you're doing in Memphis right now? And then also tell them where they can uh, follow you on social media. Okay. Well, I'll begin with the last question. So you can follow me on social media at uh, the Crossroads of Champions. I have a website, thecrossroadsofchampions.com. Uh, also, my email is uh, bold, B-O-L-D-T-N-04 at yahoo.com. I'm on Instagram as well. You can you can find me there. I'm on Facebook, Marvin Mam Senior. So I'm, I'm on a lot of different social media platforms. Uh, if someone's interested in, in getting the book, you can actually email me as well, boldtn04 at yahoo.com. Uh, my book is also on Amazon. It's in paperback, but also e-Kindle. And so uh, you can get it through that, through those means as well. Uh, what am I involved with right now? Uh, I am heavily involved with organization. Again, I share with you the Memphis Baptist Minister Association. And so uh, we are involved with, uh, you know, basically ministry with a lot of different churches working together uh, to to address some of the issues that we face in our city, education, crime. Uh, With our local church at St. Mark that I pastor, just started an initiative this month, on the third Sunday of each month, we spend time, we take out time doing worship to read with our children for 10 minutes. We bring a book to worship, and then we give that child that book. And so that's that's a new project that we started uh, this month, and we're going to continue that each month, taking time out of worship, reading with a child for 10 minutes, going back into worship but also giving that child that book. And that's designed to mentor, uh, empower the child to read, empower the parent to read with the child. Uh, There's so many different ways that this is going to be a blessing to children and adults. And we're highlighting it every month. Yeah. Oh man, this is great. You and you're doing great work in the community. Uh, I appreciate you being on here and, you know, telling your story and talking about, uh, about your book and, you know, uh, what's going on in Memphis. I appreciate your time, sir. Uh, Pastor Marvin Mims, thank you, sir, for being on the Black Male Archives where we capture, curate, and promote positive stories about black men, which you are one of. Thank you, sir, for being on the podcast. Thank you, Mr. Freeman. It's my honor. God bless you. Awesome. Thank you. Same to you. All right. Thank you again for listening to another episode of the Black Male Archives podcast. Did you know that we have an archive full of positive stories about black men? Yes. Over on our website, theblackmalearchives.com, you can check out full-fledged news articles about positive black males. So please go over and check that out. Also, check out our sister platform which is powerful women of color it's on facebook and instagram you can also check out the archives that they have over at powerfulwomenofcolor.com